Hello, our little creeps and freaks. Creepies and freakies. Welcome back to the In the Nick of Crime podcast. We are a weekly podcast that brings you true crime, some spook spook. A little bit of comedy. Maybe a lot of comedy sometimes. Mm, depends sometimes on our mood. Slap happy. Yeah, depends on our mood. Um. Anyway, what do we have to cover off the top? Oh, yeah. We have officially... Almost reached 1,200 listens on our Ooh. podcast. And I know that sounds small to some people, but my gosh, we are so excited. Oh, so We cool. are so stoked. And just thank you to everyone that has listened. Thank you so much. And actually, like, looking at our analytics, even our old episodes are still going up. And, like, actual consumption of our whole episodes is going up, too. Because when you first start, it's like we had some episodes that the median wasn't the full episode, which is fine. We understand it, but it's actually going up. So it's very exciting. And I feel like every week we're just saying, oh, it's so crazy. (laughs) Yeah, I think every week we're doing that, but that's okay. That's to be expected. But it is. It's kind of a roller coaster, but we're here for it. But when we first started this, like we knew it was going to be a lot that went into it, but I feel like we're putting so much of ourselves into this and we take it seriously and you know I think some people assume that starting podcasts they're just like it's gonna suck (laughs) but we take it seriously we put hours into it and so it's just really nice to see that we are at least reaching people because we're not here for the listens and for a ton of people we're just here to get stories out and have some fun and connect with people and I think we're doing it we're kind of doing it (laughs) we're just fucking staring at me she's like slap happy good thing it's not Uh, your presentation week i am super brain fogged so please just (laughs) bear with me today i have intracranial hypertension which when we have these barometric changes like we do in colorado right now i Mm -hmm. am a zombie (laughs) yeah the weather's been super up and down here we've been getting a lot of rain which is great because we need it very desperately but it's been like super hot early in the day then it rains a ton in the evenings and the temperature is just back and forth and back and forth and so like Courtney said, just the barometric pressure. It's just like a ping pong ball right now. <laughs> My head seriously feels like it's going to explode yeah. every time, every day, yeah. about like two o'clock when those storms come yeah, in. Yeah. I love the storms. I get so excited for mm-hmm. them, but... At the same time, I'm like, well, <laughs> yep. here we go. The rest yeah. of my day is useless. Man, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, at least we're doing something fun. And for Absolutely. the most part, you can just sit back and hang. Sit back, relax. But we'll keep it semi-short and sweet, and we'll just get into it. Yeah. What is your weekly update of fuckery? Weekly update of fuckery. I think we need Apropos. to keep that. <laughs> I love that. That was absolutely perfect. <laughs> Fucking spot on. Fucking mint. Like, let's go. I'm trying to bring that back if you haven't Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, um, Well, I, you know, I keep trying to find something that doesn't have to do with our illustrious state of Colorado, but for some reason, Colorado's fuckery is out of control right now. Also our algorithms, though, because I feel like once we start searching Colorado stuff, it just keeps coming up. It's fair. It's fair. But But yes, it does seem like... Colorado's on something. We need a Colorado man story instead of Florida man. <laughs> no, we can't get on that level. Oh, we're getting there. And this is why. So, uh, 
<laughs> I don't even know how to start this. I off. know, seriously. Um, <laughs> morbid i don't even know like <laughs> to preface too i literally just sent courtney an article on this this morning she's like that's my weekly update <laughs> <laughs> yeah two minds think alike yeah um so i'm gonna start this off with just saying a colorado funeral home director is actually accused of s- stealing selling body parts of hundreds pe- of hundreds of people and she's also pled guilty for mail fraud didn't see the mail fraud either. <laughs> so she's is, like, why not? This is why she's pleading guilty for mail, th- mail fraud is because her name is Megan Hess, by the way. She's 45. She's from Montrose, Colorado. She's facing up to 20 years mm-hmm. in prison for running an elaborate scheme to sell body parts through the mail. Oh, shit. I didn't know that was the aspect of it. I didn't read the article after you told me you were going to cover this, so that way I wasn't you know, completely in the know. Yeah, and she's been doing this from 2010 to 2018. Like, I'm not laughing because of how awful it is. Because she's stupid. I'm laughing at her stupidity. Like, what the fuck did you think was going to happen? Yes, because it's so terrible to do to these people. Oh, it's awful. But what Uh, an idiot. She apparently sold the remains of victims that were being purchased... For scientific, medical, and education purposes, and I put that in quotation marks, that's what she said she was doing. Kate H.H. Holmes. Mm, absolutely. And ironically, her last name is Hess, which is right. actually one of his last names that he had for one of his <laughs> many uh, Dude. personalities. <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, she was at the Sunset Mesa Funeral uh, Director's Home in Montrose. And she apparently, she had eight other criminal charges that were dropped as part of her plea deal. Bro. On Tuesday. We also do not live in Montrose. We don't live close to it, so we don't, we don't claim her. No. But she is in our state. (laughs) Connor's decently big. Bye. She, oh my gosh, it is kind of big, huh? (laughs) Not as big as Callie in Texas, though. Just kidding. Um... (laughs) But she did say in court, she said she exceeded the scope of the consent that she was trying to make, and she said she's trying to make an effort to make it right by pleading guilty. Okay. Does it say what she did before she was a funeral director? I don't know. Like, where the fuck did she get this idea? Well, it's funny, too. So, I, like, I've kind of done some more research into it. So, her and her mother, which her mother's name is Shirley Koosh, K-O-C-H, Co. Co. Sure. Uh, who's 66. We're both arrested for illegally selling body parts or entire bodies without the consent of the family or wow. the deceased. Wow. Well, I mean, obviously not. Her last name could also be Koch. Usually it's Koch. Co, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah. It's Sorry. Strange I was just thinking about no, you're that. Fine. Um, says while the women were sometimes received consent from families to donate small tissue samples or tumors of their dead relatives. They ended up misleading buyers by, um, they ended up misleading buyers and the families as a result because they basically said, oh, you gave us a tiny little bit. I'm going to run with a mile. Oh my God. What the hell? What shit bags? I know. And I guess their scheme included bodies and body parts that tested positive for or 
belonging to a person who had died from infectious diseases, including hepatitis B, C, HIV, and then other um, certified buyers took remains of diseased-free. They thought they were diseased-free bodies. None of these were being, like, donated to people that needed them, correct? They were all just used for science? Because if they were, they should also, if anyone died or got sick, they should also get attempted murder. I think that's part of what their eight charges are. What the fuck? For the plea deal. Dude. Because it doesn't say a whole lot. And then it also says that Hesh and Koch, or however you say the mom's name, also delivered remains to families with the representation that the remains were that of the deceased when frequently that was not the case. Oh my gosh. And I know this is not, I've heard of this happening. Oh, absolutely. I know this is not the first time it's happened, but seriously, what kind of a shitbag do you need to be? They were also charging people $1,000 or more for cremations, but they never happened. Of course. Ew. What? Fuckers. Wow. Just, wow. I wish I could say that I was surprised by people's <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm maliciousness never surprised and just disgusting nature, but nothing surprises me anymore. Me either. So yeah, another <sighs> deplorable Colorado st- statistic. Keeping it classy, Colorado. I mean, at least she didn't pull with that corner. I don't even know where that corner is from, but that corner that uh, got pregnant from a dead body. Oh, I forgot about that. Remember, she got sued by the family and they actually like took her to court for the full custody of the child. Yeah. Which, that's also wild that that can happen. I mean, if you get to the body fast enough, yeah, it does. Yeah. And if she was a coroner, yikes. Woof. Ew. So, yeah. There's the current uh, fuckery event. Well, thank you for that weekly fuckery. Or not thank you. I could have lived the rest of my life without knowing that. But, <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> I can't even. Hope that bitch is miserable for the rest of her life. Karma's going to smack her. And her mom. <laughs> Alright, well... Had our daily fuckery. What do you have for? It's our weekly. Oh, sorry. I say daily because I'm always looking at the fuckery. But that's <laughs> it's true. Me. I am too. <laughs> <laughs> always. Always. All right. So this week, this was actually requested by two different people. It was requested by my mother and also I don't know. Why I said mother. My mom. <laughs> mother. And I think who else requested it? Hold on. I don't remember who else did it. Sorry. It was definitely my mom and someone else. Okay. The McStay family murders. Oh. Yeah. I'm assuming you've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of it. Ouch. Yeah. Luckily, because I really kind of have a hard and fast rule, I feel like, with murders involving children, with this one, I think because we don't know all the gory details of it, it's... Why I can kind of compartmentalize it a little bit more doesn't make it any less gruesome at all. But we will get into it. Unfortunately, I tried to find a lot about the rest of the victims. The only one I could really find anything about was the dad, which I'll get into because I know we tell all the time that we're really trying to focus on the victims. Um, But sometimes, unfortunately, it's just how it goes. 
So the McStay family lived in Fallbrook, California. The family consisted of Joseph, who also went by Joey. So that's what I'll call him primarily. Um, he was 40 years old. His wife, Summer, who was 43. Their four-year-old son, Gianni. And their three-year-old son, Joey Jr. Oh, man. So they had babies way late in life. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, they did. The babies, oh my gosh, they were so freaking cute. I just want to pinch their little cheeks. They were so cute. Those kids. Oh, they made beautiful babies. But Joey was the owner of an actually very successful, like, waterfall fountain business. They did, it's not really installations, really, but they would um, make and install fountains for, like, doctor's offices, sometimes just for homes, for, like, malls, commercial buildings, stuff like that. So he actually did really well for himself. But the business was called Earth Inspired Products. So the family, like I said, we don't really have much about them, so I kind of just have to go right into it with this one. Um, but the family did disappear. It's believed that they disappeared on February 4th of 2010. So Joey's father lived in Texas, and he had been trying to contact him for several days. I think it was like within five days he kind of started to get concerned it wasn't necessarily completely unlike him to kind of fall off the grid he was really busy and he liked to you know spend time with his family he worked from home so they would sometimes just spontaneously go on a trip so they weren't extremely worried at first but his dad said he was trying to get a hold of him on the phone and via email and his phone his voicemails were full and he said that was very unlike him because a lot of his clients would try to contact him via phone and he would always get back to them like he was well known for being very communicative so that's kind of when red flags started to go up so joey's dad called his other son michael to go and check on him since he lived in the state i guess joey's brother also he was kind of like dad he's, he's probably fine they probably just went on a trip he wasn't really concerned either um and he said sometimes joey would just go off the grid and they would just go take trips because he was busy and he liked to, he he cherished his family very much so and they were they found solace in each other is very evident and so they loved their time together so yeah i'm i watched a documentary on this the other day so yeah. i'm cringing as she's talking yeah it's yeah it's Ugh. definitely a tough one and i will say where i heard primarily about these cases um i watched the documentary on I don't remember if it's Investigation Discovery specifically or Discovery Plus, um, just generally, but it's called Two Shallow Graves. Yeah. Yeah. I watched it. So that one, have you watched the People Investigates episode on it? Mm-hmm. They, the dichotomy between the two is like, it very, it's tough. Very hard. Yeah. Yeah. So after I kind of wrap up what happened, I'll talk a little bit more about those and kind of where my feelings were on those, kind of what I took from it because it was there yeah yeah the juxtaposition between the two was didn't sit right with me so 11 days after the mixed days are guests to have disappeared michael joey's brother and joey's business partner chase Merritt went over to the mixed day house to kind of check on the family see what was going on see if they were there um they looked around the property and there was no evidence that they were there Joey's brother, Michael, was actually able to gain entry into the house through a window that was unlocked. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. It, again, that's like my issue with the two different things because it's like what they talked about in the Two Shallow Graves and what they talked about in The People Investigates, 
I don't know. I just, yeah, I don't know. But when they entered the home, all signs pointed to the family just up and leaving in the middle of nowhere very quickly. Or not in the middle of nowhere, sorry. Out of nowhere. <laughs> Words are so hard today. In the middle of the night. Yeah. And leaving very quickly. So they found rotting bananas in the kitchen. There was a bowl of popcorn that was out in the living room. There was an apple with a bite or two out of it. I think it was like sitting on the stairs of the home. And there were painting materials left out. So the family had bought their home that they were residing in now. And it was a fixer-upper. So they were doing tons of work on it. Yeah, so the painting materials weren't out of the ordinary, but what was weird is that it looked like someone had literally been in the middle of painting and left. Like, the brushes weren't cleaned off or anything. There was still paint out. So, weird. yes, it was literally like they left at the drop of a hat. Haunting. Exactly. And there was no signs of foul play. There was no signs of forced entry. There was nothing, which led investigators to think that either they were lured somewhere or someone that they knew came into the house, but there was nothing. They even, I'm pretty sure they did luminol testing too. There was no signs of blood. There was no signs of a struggle. Absolutely nothing. So no reason to believe that was a crime scene. I mean, it just brings to mind my case last week where if you're held at gunpoint or something Mm -hmm. and they had two little ones. Yeah, exactly. You know, you probably aren't going to struggle. You're probably going to go along with it. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I just don't see why else they would walk out of a house like that unless somebody was forcing it. Yes, exactly. So investigators found at various points they were, you know, investigating search history just kind of to track where they were as best as they could. 2010 cell phone tracking wasn't as good. It's still that weird triangle pinger. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't as good as it is now, obviously. (laughs) But investigators did find that in Summer's search history on her computer that she'd been searching for details on what was needed for children to be able to cross the border. Um, just like searching passport stuff, which that's normal. Everyone they're, does that. Yeah, Especially they're probably planning a trip. trip to Mexico. Exactly. Like, for family vacation. You yep. have to make sure that your kids can cross the border too. Exactly. So investigators really thought that they kind of just decided to go on an impromptu trip. But there were also some people, not the family because they knew better, but there are people that thought that they just decided to abandon their lives in California because they vanished. Like, there was no signs of foul play. They had no reason to believe otherwise. I mean, I get it, yes, but at the same time, I don't, because they didn't mm-hmm. take anything with them. And exactly. even with people who just try to drop off the face of the earth like that, they at least take the minor amount of stuff mm-hmm. that they need to. And what else, too, I think Michael and Chase had seen it originally, but the dogs were left outside. And they had, like, water, and their bag of food was out there, but the dogs had, like, tore into the bag of food. And... Um, Joey and Michael's dad said that that the dogs would have gone with them. Or no, it was a friend of Joey's. I apologize. But he said like if they went somewhere and they were going somewhere for a while, the dogs would have gone with them. So that was also very out of character and just a sign. It seemed like someone wanted someone to think that they would be right back is what it seemed like in my opinion. Okay. Yeah. So adding to the weirdness, the family's white Isuzu Trooper SUV was found in a parking lot in the San Ysidro um, area, which was at the U.S. and Mexico border. So okay. it was like in one of the parking lots that people would commonly park at and just cross the border on foot from the U.S. into Mexico. And there was also a surveillance video that oh, captured. I remember that. Yeah. Okay. There's also a surveillance video that captured what appeared to be a man and a woman and two small children. At at its base, it fit the general description of Joey Summer 
Gianni and Joey Jr. But the problem is that it was dark. So you can only see like their backs and it was just like silhouettes of them. But they deduced because the boys would commonly wear beanies and the two children were wearing beanies. Summer was known to wear like fur-lined coats and stuff. It seemed like she just kind of was people that was cold a lot. And she would wear Uggs a lot too. And the female in the video, presume, presumably the female, I apologize, looked to be wearing like a coat with kind of one of those fluffy hoods on it and looked to be wearing Uggs or similar boots. So again, it was like common for them to wear these things. Just speculation, but the timing, the place of it all, it's uncanny. I guess you could say. I maybe it's because I'm from Colorado and I want to live in <laughs> California, but I'm struggling with why they're wearing Uggs and beanies. There in are multiple pictures of her wearing. That is crazy that, to me. Yeah, just Sorry. that general times. I mean, I know it gets like chilly there. Yeah, but, like nothing even compared to what I know. we get here. But so for Californians, I feel like if it gets like into the 60s, they're like, oh my gosh, it's freezing. That's fair. Arizona ends. <laughs> and it was Arizona nighttime. Ends. It was nighttime when is they that went how out. You say that Arizona ends. Arizona ends. Yeah, Arizona ends. They do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for us, we're just used to any kind of weather all the time. Like, I will not wear a coat until it's, like, 40 degrees outside. Oh, I, you're lucky if I ever wear a coat. Yeah. I usually wear a sweatshirt year-round. <laughs> but, yeah, so it just seems like it very easily could be them on okay. the surveillance footage. So, the case got handed over to the FBI since they believed that they had fled the country. So, once it crosses state lines, the FBI can come in. Um, but the problem is because they thought that they just left to Mexico of their own volition, especially if that surveillance footage was them and the fact that their car was in that San Ysidro area parking lot right by the border, they treated it as a voluntary missing persons case initially. And they didn't suspect any foul play because they really didn't have any reason to. The only weird thing was the state of the house and right. the way that it seemed like they just up, up and left out of nowhere. And that's pretty circumstantial exactly regardless. there's nothing that you can prove with that so that soon not soon but that was proven wrong because about almost four years after they disappeared there was an off-road motorcyclist that discovered the skull of a child in the desert and this was off of interstate 15 in victorville california so this was in november of 2013 the gentleman called authorities, and when authorities got there, they discovered two shallow graves. Name of the, you know, investigation discovery documentary. But they were discovered in the Mojave Desert, and the location was about 100 miles from the McStay home. Based on, you know, the description and everything, they had their speculations pretty much off the bat that it could be the McStay family. So one of the graves, they did end up proving that it was them. Sorry, I should have explained that better. But they proved it was them through DNA. Um, and I think possibly dental records as well. I should have checked that. I'm almost positive they used yeah, dental records. because That's of the they, level of decomposition. The level of decomposition too bad. Yeah. Um, one of the graves had Joey and Joey Jr. in it. And the other had Summer and Gianni. There was also a rusted sledgehammer and an electrical cord, which was wrapped around Joseph's neck. So Joey Sr., and those were both found at the scene. Um, but that was literally the only other thing there. There was no sign of that being the crime scene. So the speculation was that the bodies were dumped and that the family was killed elsewhere. 
Um, trigger warning, like I said, we don't know the brutal details of it, which I find solace in. I know that leaves a lot of questions unanswered for the family, but it makes it a little bit easier to compartmentalize and digest. Um, but you may want to skip ahead a little bit because children, that's what I always say. So Joey's skull, so Joey Sr., his skull was completely shattered. Summer had blunt force trauma to the jaw, um, and then both of the children also died of blunt force trauma. They had very evident skull fractures. Investigators believe that the only reason that the boys were killed was just because they could potentially identify the killer. So unfortunately, it seems that the rest of the family were just unnecessary casualties, and it seemed that Joey was the primary target, especially with the electrical cord wrapped around his neck, and he... His death was especially brutal. Like, the state of his skull, it was just completely shattered. So, that is the only really gory stuff that we'll get into because that's really all that's known about the actual crime. Um, and, yeah, like I said, aside from the sledgehammer and the electrical cord, there's no evidence whatsoever that the crime had happened there. This now brings us into potential suspects that came about during the investigation. So kind of the first one that came up was Summer's ex-boyfriend. I tried to find his name online. I forgot to write it down when I was watching the People Investigates thing. I think it was like Vince something or other. I think you're right. Yeah. Ooh, sorry, I didn't mean to make that popping noise. Might be fine. It doesn't matter. He was a fuckface. Um, but he was, she actually had just been getting out of her relationship with him when her and Joey got together mm -hmm. and he was known to be very violent. Like mm -hmm. it was a volatile relationship. He was a piece of shit. Another man who doesn't know how to handle it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So she got to have the beautiful life outside of that, whether it be for a short period of time, she got some solace in that, which makes me happy. But what's crazy is pretty much pretty quickly after they broke up, he tried to change his appearance. So he had found out like what was her ideal type of guy. So he like changed his hair color, changed his eye color to something darker. And like one of Summer's really good friends was interviewed on the investigation discovery show. And she was saying Summer was like, not flattered. She's like, what in the hell is wrong with this guy? And she was really freaked out by it. And investigators had found an email from him um, around her birthday and he had just said like happy birthday love you always and forever something like that like he wasn't being you know violent at that time but it just piqued to their interest but he had a pretty airtight alibi so he was ruled out it would have made sense in their mind and it would have been an easy answer but hey at least they're him. doing what they what we need them to do yeah I'll exactly exactly another suspect that came up pretty quickly was a gentleman named Dan Cavanaugh. This dude oh. is such a fuck face. Oh my gosh, he's the He's like the broiest, just skeeziest dude ever. <laughs> he like puts Jersey Shore to shame. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pretty much. So he worked for Joey's company managing the website. So he's pretty oh, much yeah. the web designer. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I remember this. Okay. Yeah, and he was trying to get like a big cut of the profits. I'm like, calm down. You're making the website. But he thought that because of the website traffic that he should be entitled to like half of the profits. I Which I, if your enough. website is bringing in that much, sure, you get a good decent chunk of it. But not 50-50. Yeah. You're not doing the actual work, man. 
I don't know. I don't work in that business. I don't know how it all goes. I mean, I know it's a very crazy business, and I know there's a lot that goes mm-hmm. into it, but still, like, right. I really don't think that that job is a 50-50. Right, exactly. So, by summer of 2011, he sold the business to an outside entity. This is... Joey's business. Joey's business. Dan Cavanaugh. Dan Cavanaugh's the one sold who sold Joey's it. business. Yeah, that's yes. what I thought. Okay. Yeah. So, Patrick McStay, Joey and Michael's dad... Um, was absolutely enraged by this. As he should be. Yeah. He said that Dan owed no, owned none of the business whatsoever. I want to know how he got away with that. Right. Dan was pretty staunch in saying that he owned half of the business and had been a partial owner since the beginning. Okay, but there's documentation that goes with that, dude. It depends. I mean, honestly, if Joey was deceased and Dan was the only living owner of the business... I'm pretty sure he can technically do whatever he wants with if it. If he has documentation showing that he is a part owner of the business. But if it's recorded that he sold it, he would have to. Well, I'm saying he probably faked documents to sell it. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't put it past him. He's a scuzzball. So, you know, he seems like pretty viable suspect, in my opinion. He I was agree. just a greedy bitch, and he was having issues with Joey. They were having disagreements over stuff. And I think Joey had wanted him out of the business at one point, and Dan was fighting it. However, well, I mean, when you act like a complete and total idiot. Yeah, exactly. However, Dan had a rock solid alibi. He was in Hawaii at the time of the disappearances oh, yeah. with a girlfriend who said he was a crazy son of a bitch. Yeah, and he had all of the receipts and everything. Yeah, and exactly. Like he yeah. really did. He was able to prove that he was out there. Um, You're still a piece of scum. Yeah, exactly. He is a piece. You're gonna of take up business from a garbage man who's not alive anymore, and his family and mm-hmm. him are brutally murdered. Okay, yep. piece of shit. And he wouldn't talk to anyone for the longest time. He wouldn't talk to authorities. He wouldn't talk to news outlets. Like nothing. And it just seemed to make him look even more guilty. And he's like, as in Hawaii, because that's how he talks. And he like so talks with. He has like he always has his, his little head. hood on. Yeah, yeah. And his little sweatshirt probably has. Yeah. Thumb holes in it. Probably. He's a douche canoe. I can only say that because I'm an elder emo, by the way. <laughs> I am allowed to say that because I elder earned... Elder emo millennial. Oh, yeah. I earned those thumb holes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so this brings us to pretty much the final suspect that I know of that seemed to be reported. So, Chase Merritt was Joey's business partner, and if you remember, was the other person who went to the house with Joey's brother to search for them. So, about a year after the discovery of the bodies, Chase was arrested. Kind of, how? (laughs) Was the common question at first, and what led to it. Um, But when Merritt was arrested, he claimed that he would never heard Joey, that Joey was his best friend, that he had no ill will toward him. And it's always the ones that say that. Right. (laughs) So Chase was technically Joey's business partner, not Dan Kavanaugh. So Joey would think of the fixtures for the company and Chase would build them. So they were two sides of one coin, essentially. You and me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But I feel like investigators were quick to look into Merritt because of his past. He had a history of prior convictions with, like, burglary, theft, things like that. So, kind of set off, ding, 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 you know. Alarms. And it was also uncovered that he has a gambling problem. Oh, doesn't that shit always come back to bite you in the ass? 
with all this in mind, it was discovered that Mary owed McStay a substantial amount of money. And it was also discovered that out of their QuickBooks account that there were some electronic checks being written. There was like one that was written to Chase, then deleted, and then written again, if I remember correctly. And also Chase had made a call to QuickBooks asking how to get the one of the servers. I can't remember. It was like they wanted to get off of the offline server to just go to like the QuickBooks program on your computer. And didn't he want all that deleted too? Like permanently yeah. deleted? And it was like a weird yeah request or something yeah exactly but i'm pretty sure it's proven that like he and joey had talked about that and it wasn't because they were trying to get rid of anything it was just that they were moving it to the different program and it was proven i'm pretty sure that it did so yeah with the finding out that money was owed kind of the weird things with quickbooks and all of that investigators started to believe that the death was on merit's part due to greed essentially or maybe getting into something with Joey about money. Doesn't money always have something to do with it? Sheesh. We're all greedy bitches. Greed of some kind usually mm-hmm. does, yeah. Yep, exactly. So investigators dug into Merritt, obviously. They looked into his travels around that time, into his phone records, just all of that stuff. And he had said that he was at home the night of the disappearances and his girlfriend was able to corroborate that. So there was like a vague period of time that potentially he could have been unaccounted for. But if I remember it, it's just cause she was sleeping. So it could have been that he left, you know, while she was sleeping. Um, Joey had called him, I believe it was around like eight o'clock that night. And Chase said he didn't answer the phone. He was just sitting at home and he didn't answer the phone. He's like, I can talk to him tomorrow. That's what he said. So, you know. I mean, I get it. Yeah, an alibi, kind of wishy-washy, so, you know, leaves room for doubt. So, with that, too, while they were investigating his phone activity, there was a phone ping in Victorville from Chase's phone that was um, two days after the disappearances, and it was very close to where the sites of the graves were. Chase said that he was visiting his sister, who did live in Victorville. He was born and raised in the area as well. But his sister said that he, she hadn't seen him in a long time. Which, the lies, but also it seemed like he had some shit with his family. And it seemed like she was, I don't know. I just got vibes from it, but I don't know. So, again. Circumstantial. Exactly. Exactly. So it could go either way. Um, and then investigators also tested for DNA in the family's Isuzu Trooper, because if you'll remember, it was left in a parking lot, which now investigators believe it was dumped there. So Merritt's DNA was recovered on the steering wheel, the gear shift, and I believe also the middle console of the car. However, it was trace amounts of DNA. And Merritt's defense argued that that could be from, like, contact DNA. So, like, if... Because... It was found that Joey and Chase had lunch the day of the disappearance. So they're like, if you shake someone's hand, Joey goes and drives his car. That could have happened that way. They didn't find any of Chase's DNA on the door handles going in or out of the driver's side of the car either. So, but that's weird. Even if you have the touch DNA, it's on your mm -hmm. hand. You're pulling the door handle. But it could have been the other hand. It depends too what hand he's opening the door with. You know? I mean, plausible, but tendencies is you use your dominant hand to shake right. hands and open doors. 
when I'm opening my door and I'm getting out, I use my left hand. Getting out, but when you get in, I, use I open my, it with my left hand oh, a lot I too. Use actually, my right. yeah, I think it depends on the person. But what I'm trying to get at is that just as easily as it could be like, oh yes, that's it, could also oh, be yeah, like, still very mm, there's doubt, yeah, there's doubt. So that's what I'm trying to convey. I'm, I'm not saying it. I think I'm solving he's it in my head. I'm <laughs> so you know. solving this case. <laughs> so yeah, that was really what Chase's defense tried to convey on there that there there was doubt and that's their job it's their job like to, i said being a da is a hell of yep, a to job. provide or and they weren't even da's They're i don't think DAs. i'm pretty sure they were hired yeah i don't think they were oh. court appointed wow yeah okay i'm pretty sure i could okay. be wrong but, but i'm quite certain then, you still someone's got yeah. to do it so i got feelings on them too yeah. <laughs> so chase was charged with several counts Surrounding the disappearances and the deaths of the mixtapes. It included four counts of first-degree murder for each of the the, members of the family. Okay. So, Merritt was actually found guilty, and he was sentenced to death in June of 2019. And the trial lasted for five months. I don't know if you saw, but I got the chills. Yeah, I did. So I did hard when you said that. Sorry. The Ooh. death sentence gets me, man. I... I, I, I tend to sit in the middle on quite a few subjects. And I get in trouble for it a lot, yeah. but that's one of them that I'm in the middle of. Yeah. I don't really advise towards it, but I really exactly. don't not advise towards exactly. it. Exactly. I'm in the camp of, I feel like what the family wants gets me more. Like if the family doesn't want them to get the death penalty, I feel like they should not. And I know it's not for them to decide, but the families are the ones that are impacted by it. And they're the ones that have to live with that for the rest of their lives. But I'm also a science geek, and we know this. And mm-hmm. all I want to do is study their brains. Yes, and be exactly. Like, Let me pick at it mm-hmm. to figure out why you're like this and why you did this. Yes, I think I gave my problematic opinion on this. That I feel like anyone that's convicted of murder and sentenced to death should be required to give their brain to science. Oh, absolutely. Because <laughs> then that's when I told you that Ted Bundy's is in a Tupperware yeah. jar. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um. So. I don't know. I grapple with it because I also feel like it's playing God. And I know. It's, I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be for another day. Another day. So I know I cut to the chase very quickly on that. But I do want to talk about where things kind of are weird for me, where they sit a little strange for me. For one, his defense team, my God, incompetent. Oh. They were terrible. I feel like every defense team that I've ever witnessed no. in these cases are dumb. Rewatch Two Shallow Graves after we talked about this. Rewatch it. Oh, no. I remember watching yeah. it and thinking how stupid they were. Oh, my God. So, he had two defense attorneys. And one of them, he got sick during the trial. And I remember that's, that. Yeah. That's nobody's totally business. He had to kind of... Yeah. He had to more or less recuse himself for a little bit of it. And that... It's totally I mean, understandable. It physically affected yeah. him from what I remember. Yeah, it seems like it took a mental it toll on him. It almost looked like a neurological, exactly. like, mental breakdown. He's a human, and yeah, he has every happens. right to. The problem was that each of his defense attorneys had a different opinion mm-hmm. on what happened and why Chase was not guilty, and of them trying to point the finger at different people. Like, Raj Malin, one of them, I think, I'm pretty sure he's the one that tried to, like, rope it back to Dan Kavanaugh. Yeah, he did. And then his other defense attorney, I can't remember his name, I feel bad, the gentleman that was sick, but he tried to say it was multiple people because he's like, how would one person 
take care of murder entire family. Two grown adults. Right. My personal opinion is that Joey was the focal point and it was used as a a manipulation tactic. And they manipulated the rest of the family. That's what I believe. I mean, that's what they do best. Right. And my thing with this is I am not saying that I think that Chase Merritt is innocent. However, this was one of the most circumstantial cases I think I have ever seen. Oh, absolutely. I think I remember seeing that he got the death penalty and that he was found guilty. And I remember thinking how shocked I was because I've never seen a case come to that with that little circumstantial evidence. Right. Exactly. And can we count how many times I've said circumstantial today? (laughs) In... Yeah, that's what's really just alarming to me is that truly the only evidence they had was the financial gain, which that's big. Don't get me wrong. But again, someone having a financial issue is not them being a murderer. It doesn't always connect. Yes, we see that a lot. But again, it's in my mind, the way I always see it is it is supposed to be guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Mm -hmm. I would have never been able to sit on that jury and be like, a thousand percent he's guilty. I've never been able to. And the trace evidence of DNA in the car, yes, again, that's incriminating. However, Chase was his business partner. They did ask him. They were like, did you ever drive Joey's car? And he was like, no. And then he kind of changed the story later. But I also think he kind of drank a lot. And he had some shit going on. So it could have been that he's a fucking space cadet, man. And again, I want to reiterate, I am not saying that I think that he is completely innocent, but I also don't know if I 100% believe that he's guilty. It makes sense. I feel like it was a convenient thing because it does. He had the most to gain from Joey dying, but I don't know. It just doubt. I think what makes me doubt him so much more is who, what's the graphic designer's name? Dan Cavanaugh. Dan Kavanaugh sells this company, okay? Mm-hmm. And he says nothing. Yeah. He's not mad about it. Yes. He doesn't come out saying that's not true. Like, I'm the yeah. half owner. Like, he didn't even try to do anything with it. No. Which, to me, right there, immediately makes right. me think he's guilty. Because if you don't say something... Yes. You know something. Yes. And Dan Kavanaugh had previous girlfriends that said he was abusive, that said he had a short temper. He had problems with Joey at the time. And the only problem that they could link with Chase and Joey was that Chase owed Joey money. And being honest, Joey was not hard-pressed for cash. They had a lot. It would have been a thorn in the side because Chase was gambling. And I'm not saying he is, you know, a Chase angelic person. I'm not saying that, but... If I were to bet on the two of them, if this trial hadn't happened yet, I would have thought Dan Kavanaugh. Oh, absolutely. Because it made more sense. So I don't know. And I, I think it's Dan and Chase. I thought that too. Honestly, I thought it was that's been the my two of them together. One. I think they went in yeah. on it together. Yeah. And Chase has tried to point the finger at Dan. However, I feel like if it was them, he would have said more he would have said that it was the two of them and try to cut a deal, I feel like. Because he tried very hard. Chase was extremely involved in his trial. He read up. He was fastidious with his involvement in it. And I feel like he would have done a lot more because he's obviously trying to appeal his conviction right now. And there are a lot of people that don't think that it was him. And even 
I think it was like the office manager um, for the business. It seems like she thinks he did it, but it also seemed like she had just as many doubts because she was interviewed in both of the documentaries that I watched. And it, and it seemed like she was like, I think he did it. She's, you know, resigned with the fact that he was guilty, was made guilty. But it also seems like she can see as many possibilities that he didn't do it. And she also thought that Dan would have been someone that would have done it too. I don't think Dan murdered them, but I think he's the mastermind behind it. Yeah. I think he put it in motion. And with Dan's Mm -hmm. short fuse, I think he was the one who was like, oh, I got this. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. But I think really if he hadn't been sentenced to death, it may not... That That sounds wrong, but it's like... I think that's especially why it doesn't sit right with me because the fact that someone can be put on death row on a circumstantial case is wild to me. Yeah, I don't know of very many that have happened. Exactly. Like, I can't even name another one that I yeah. know of that that happened. Yeah, and that just doesn't sit right with me. And how it affected his daughters. Like, he's so close oh, yeah. with his daughters. And I don't know, man, just watching him in there, like, you can tell he's been through some shit, you know, but... I, I don't know. He just does not strike me as someone that could do that. But people surprise you all the time. There are plenty of killers that don't look like they could be at all. And what does a killer look like? Come on. That's a rhetorical question. But I don't know. It just something doesn't sit right with me. That family needs justice, absolutely. But I don't necessarily know if they got it. And to their family, they feel vindicated. Is that the most important thing? But if an innocent person is on death row, yikes. And this was in California? Mm Mm-hmm. And when was he tried? He was convicted in 2019. His trial was five months. So, yeah, in 2019. I was about to say, I thought that that was in 2004 that California put that ruling out. Mm Mm-mm. Never mind. I digress. (laughs) But, yeah. That is the case. So it's solved, but it's not solved. I Yeah. This one feels very... It's finished, but it feels very unfinished to me. There's so much unknown with this case. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. And he was obviously convicted not too long ago. Maybe he'll get an appeal. He's tried. I think... I think he's tried... I think he's already been denied an appeal once already. Um... But I know, I know that Joey's dad really believed that Chase did it. He was. I remember. Yeah. He was very. Adamant. He was very happy when Chase was arrested, and and if he did do it, then wonderful, they got the right guy. But I just cannot get past how he was convicted and put to death on just circumstantial evidence. That's rough. Yeah. Because the DNA was only in the car. And that's I, it. And he And it wasn't even on the seat, right? It was just no, on the No, it was on the gear shift. See, and on that the just steering makes zero wheel. sense to me. Like even if someone yeah. was trying to hide their DNA, he would have worn gloves. So right. you wouldn't have had that. Yeah. And then he would have put something in the seat. Like Right. So the fact that there's even evidence of DNA in general, like mm-hmm. I just don't feel like he's if and like you said, watch the documentary because yeah. this man has a different persona in the documentary than yes. when we tell it. And that's not because of us or anything, but that's just how it is. Yeah. And he, 
He's smart. You can mm-hmm. tell. He's not dumb. He's not one of those criminals He's that you're calculated. like... Where you're like, bro. Yeah. Like, you got caught because you're an idiot. No, he's very smart, very mm-hmm. analytical. Like, you can tell he's math-based. Like, yeah. he would not be that stupid to sit in that vehicle... No. To put DNA in it. And even then, I wouldn't put stock into that. Like, you've been in my car before. You've never driven my car. But if someone went and did DNA evidence on my car and they said that your DNA was on my steering wheel, I wouldn't really think anything of it. And obviously, the McStay family Which right I there touched to that steering wheel, okay? Right. <laughs> Just kidding. I, I actually didn't. I wouldn't stuff. be that surprised. He's a very close friend of Joey's. I, I don't know. And they treated that as the smoking gun. That DNA evidence in that car. And with each of those documentaries, so my qualm with each of those is it was so different. They're very different. Between the two. Like, the People Investigates episode, I actually just watched it. Like I said, it came up and I feel like it was a sign for me to cover this case instead because I was going to wait to cover it. Um, But I watched it after I watched Two Shallow Graves. And when I watched Two Shallow Graves, I was like, I don't fucking know if this guy did this. And when my mom had talked to me about this case, she said the same thing. She was like, I really don't know if he's guilty. And it seemed, it's easy to say that it was biased because it did talk to his defense attorney so much, but it showed the incompetence of his defense team in a very unflattering light. Roz looked like a complete and total dumbass in that. Yes. Like, and he so looked that's, like a pompous attorney that you would normally yeah, think Yeah, he thought that his shit didn't sing, yeah. and no. And I'm not saying they're poor attorneys, but the fact that they couldn't even get on the same level, and that is why I think their poor decisions led to Chase's conviction. Mm-hmm. And so he is trying to appeal on ineffective assistance of counsel, and I really think that he's got a leg to stand on, because I do think that he had ineffective counsel, and... I'm not a lawyer. I don't know, but I've I have digested a lot of stuff, a lot of cases, and this is like one of the worst defensive or defense instances I've seen. And so I wouldn't be surprised. Apart from Amber Heard. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. And then the People Investigates episode, it was just like He's guilty. There's nothing more to say about it. And it was before the episode because it was, I think, season three of the show. And so it was before his trial was even over. So he hadn't even been convicted at that point. And so it was just really interesting but also off-putting to see the differences between the two. So I would strongly recommend to watch both of those in conjunction with this episode. And I would love to know y'all's thoughts on it and see if I'm a minority in this feeling, but it does not sit right with me. Something doesn't sit right. And again, I will eat my words. I I will eat crow if they find any other evidence (laughs) of this. But the circumstantial aspects of it just get me. Yeah. Yeah. So again, the documentary. So it's called Two Shallow Graves. You can find it on Discovery Plus. I be, I don't know if it's an investigation discovery specifically documentary, but it's like a mini yeah, thing. Yeah, it's inside I, of it. If you yeah. look on investigation discovery, it's yeah. right there. Yeah, I think it was only like four episodes, three or four episodes. Yeah. So it's pretty three, quick watch. I think, three yeah, four. it's a pretty quick watch. And then the People Investigates is just one episode of it. And it's yeah. in, I believe, season three of People Investigates. And they were both well done. 
Don't get me wrong. It's just very different sites. <laughs> so, yeah. This case just kind of, I don't know, man. It fucks me up. And I think kind of the reason that I hesitated with this case is because the families, it's like they're, I don't know how to say this. But it's almost like the family is a supporting character in the story. And that does not sit right with me. Like, they're... I've only ever seen, like, three or four pictures of the family ever. And it's the same ones that were used in both documentaries. And their story is so overshadowed by the other players in this. And I know that happens, but I don't know if I've ever seen it this blatantly. And... There's just nothing else on them. And maybe it was just that they led private lives. It was also kind of before social media really started blowing up. So I don't know. And yeah, I think that was kind of my hesitation with this one. Because I wanted their voices to be heard more. But I kind of couldn't. There's nothing else on them. That's sad. It's rough. It's really rough. But still telling what you can tell is giving mm-hmm. them a voice, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was a good one, dude. Thanks. Yeah. I'm I'm glad to cover it. Like you said, I, you know, I wish there was some more on other stuff because so much of it just gets eaten up by the, the drama. Characters. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I get it. I yeah, it. so... I feel like, I think that's to say that the documentaries, I feel like, could have fucking done a better job of actually highlighting the family. Even, yeah. like, seeing some other people in it and how, like, emotionally, physically, mentally involved they were. Mm-hmm. But you still don't hear shit about the family themselves. Exactly. Because so literally the weird. only aspect of that documentary that had anything to really do with the family as people outside of this crime was, like, a big chunk of the first episode. Well, Not even that, like the and then I think episode. when they would interview the dad, his dad was pretty good mm-hmm. at bringing yeah. stuff up about the family, mostly yeah. Joey, but yep. um, I think the dad was really good at it. Yeah. Just the rest of it, not so much. Yeah, I know. And I know that's personal qualm. It just, it gets me, but it happens. Um, Aside from that, we would be so grateful and so appreciative if you would leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and I believe you can do it on Google Podcasts too. So we would love it. We just want the feedback again. We say it all the time. We just want the feedback, see how we can improve what you guys enjoy, what you wish there was less of, tangents we know. (laughs) We're working on it, all right? We're getting better. (laughs) Yeah, but we are trying to um, really get a better presence on social media. We both do social media, but I think it's still kind of, this is a new realm for us. So <laughs> I do not do very much social media. Yeah, I'm like, I post stories on Instagram and look at TikToks and that's kind of the extent of it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this is kind of new for us, but we think we're kind of getting into a nice groove with it too. And we are interacting on there and it's been a lot of fun. So if you don't already follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Nick of Crime Podcast. That is all spelled together, no dashes, no underscores. And you can also now find us on the Tiki Talks. It is at 
in the Nick of Crime podcast. Again, all spelled together, no dashes, no underscores. If you'd like to send us any stories, any case suggestions, please send us over to in the Nick of Crime podcast at gmail.com. And lastly, become a patron. We do bonus episodes for patrons at the present. We post them every other Thursday. They will offset our new series, our Scoops and Lore series. And for those of you that aren't longtime listeners, Scoops is spooks, man. Yeah. Because I struggled saying spooky. And it came out I always scoopy. said scoopy. <laughs> and I just jokingly called my audio file scoops and Laura and Courtney loved it. So. Oh, I was all about it. Yeah. Oh so God. it's called scoops and lore. In case you didn't understand why we're not dumb. It's an inside joke, I guess. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> that we get. <laughs> but you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash in the nick of crime. Yeah. That is where you can find us. France. So keep it creepy, stay freaky, and we will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.